Welcome to Lit with Kelly and Jacqueline, the podcast. If you're one of the people who have stopped by our blog at litwithkellyandjacqueline.com, thanks for reading and for finding us here. If this is the first time you've heard of us, we're glad you found the podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Jacqueline. And we're back here in the book cave for our 39th episode podcast. This is where you insert the fake applause, Tim. (laughs) (laughs) Right? So we're here to talk today about Everyone Here is Lying by Sherry LaPena. Kelly, I got a lot of feelings on this Mm, one. I got a lot of feelings, too. So... (laughs) All right, let's get the uh, let's get the official stuff out of the way before we get right into the spoilers on this one. Um, today we are drinking because I'm going to start with the most important thing. Right, <laughs> we are, it is. We are drinking what is apparently, according to the website Killer Author Club, Sherry Lapena's favorite drink, which is a good old fashioned gin and tonic. Right. Um, according to the website, Sherry's favorite is pink gin with elderflower tonic water. Uh, Kelly and I are... Never heard of either one of those. No, we're not that fancy, apparently. So we are drinking um, Bombay Sapphire mm-hmm. and tonic water with a nice, heavy da- dash of, of lime. lime. And these pretty glasses. Yes. she Kelly's glassware collection is the best. <laughs> we're, I, You know, sometimes I feel like maybe I was born in the wrong era. The 20s would have been really fun if everything came in a glass like I know. this. But it, yeah. it's reminiscent of a champagne coupe and... Um, yeah, it's icy cold. So mm-hmm. let's uh, let's, let's see how this goes. Cheers! Okay, cheers! Oh, you know, there's nothing like a good gin and tonic. It's so refreshing. Yeah, so refreshing. I, for the longest time, was pretty sure I didn't like gin, mm. and then uh, once again. Much like my revelation with vodka, <laughs> if you don't buy crap gin, well, there is that. It's pretty good. You gotta have high shelf you can't, <laughs> alcohol. Yeah, I, you know, when you're in college and someone hands you the bottom shelf bottle, I made a pretty, um, pretty strong decision that I wasn't gonna try it again. But it's not bad when you spend a little money on no. it. So, yeah, so we're having ourselves a nice G and T. Uh, thank you to Killer Author Club for that inspiration mm-hmm. for uh, for this drink. Sorry we didn't get the pink one, Sherry. Um, well, you know, surprisingly, this book is, um, I, I had said to Jacqueline, I said, you know, as much drama as in this book, no one is drinking. And they should have been. They should have been. <laughs> I mean, I think I, they mentioned alcohol one time in one character. Yeah. I, and it was like, wow. There was a lot of tea. There was, but not, which I don't know. Under that amount of stress for any of these folks, seems like a beer would have been in order, right? But yeah, I'm. So anyway, so we're so we're drinking a version of Sherry's favorite drink. So um, we're gonna enjoy that while we discuss this book. But before we get to the book, before we get to spoilers, what are you reading now? Um, well, I just finished Zero Days by Ruth Ware. Uh, I thought it was a little out of her writing mode usually. I feel mm-hmm. like, I mean, they're always like a little mystery-ish or, yeah. you know, twists, turns and twists and turns and stuff of thing. But this one was more about um, crime or, you know, That was the one with the IT couple, right? Yeah. 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 They were like ethical hackers? Yes, yep. exactly. Okay. And she's on the run because somebody kills her husband and she's trying to figure it out. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that was... That was the one I just finished. And then I'm currently reading Pineapple Street. Very, very at the beginning of that one. Oh, so. 
I think that you have an enjoyable journey ahead of you. Okay. I really liked that book. <laughs> okay. I am reading, or I have been reading, um, this book, obviously. And then I read um, Only If You're Lucky, which turned out to be another mystery. And I think that I put that on my hold list after I read, like, a Coming in 2024 article oh, okay. or something. Because it showed up at the library, and I was like... Why? What is this? <laughs> How huh. did I put that on All hold? Right. <laughs> I read it. It was enjoyable. It's about um, a. It's told in two timelines, and it's about um, these three or four young women at a college, um, and one of them has disappeared, and there's a dead body, and the police are wondering what happened, and like no one's saying anything. But as the story goes on, you get the background of how the situation came to be um and i read the fury by alex michaelitis i think that's how you say the name same as the silent patient and the maidens that Mm, author okay um it was good but by the end of it i had to like slow down reading because i couldn't figure out who was narrating the story anymore oh interesting (laughs) but but what's weird is the narrator never changes It's the same person, (laughs) but it got it got real wild at the end. So I was yeah, and then um, I'm almost done listening to uh, the Beach at Summerlee by Beatrice Williams, and that's um, there's some interesting tie-ins to some other of her books. So I might have to go back and take a flip through the old ones and just see where the lineups are. All right, Kelly. Before we get into the spoiler section, can you give our listeners? There's more than one. <laughs> a summary of this book. Yes, I believe I can. So this is the story, basically, of a family, um, Aaron and William Wooler, with who have two children, uh, Michael, who's age 12, and Avery, who's age 9. And Avery is a precocious child. Uh, she's been diagnosed with ADHD, and uh, she's very difficult. She's a very difficult child. Uh, she's willful. She's obstinate. She doesn't listen, you know. So basically, she's sent home from school early. She's supposed to walk home with her brother. And so she goes home. She's home alone. The father comes home. They have an altercation, which is not abnormal. And he leaves. And then Avery disappears, basically. Yeah. And then the story unfolds from there. Good job not giving any of the important stuff away. <laughs> right. Nice work. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I have, like I said, I have some feelings about this, mm. and I'm excited to talk to you in the spoiler section. Um, so I think let's get into that. Are you okay, ready? I'm ready. All right. So three, two, one, spoiler alerts. Okay. Like you said, there's a lot of feels in this book. I need, like, to take the deepest breath so that I can just say it all. Mm -hmm. Um, No. Okay. So so we find out from the very beginning that William Wooler is in the midst of a torrid love affair with his neighbor. Correct. First thing, I... This neighborhood felt too small for everyone not to know each other. Didn't it? Well, it did, but they all know. So the fact that they didn't know each other, but they all know about, about each, each other? other or about aspects of their life or something, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. So so Aaron and um, um, yeah, Aaron and William live on the same street as Nora and, and Al and um, and Nora and William are having an affair. an affair and they both work at the same. William is a doctor. Yep. And Nora volunteers her time at the hospital. Mm hmm. Nor and Al also have two kids. Yes. Um, that becomes important later. Yes. And um, when we meet 
William and Nora, Nora has just ended the affair. Correct. That's been going on for quite some time. Yes. And Nora, I think, is having a crisis of conscience and has decided that she can't she can't do this anymore. Right. And so William is very upset. He goes home. He's just looking for like a little bit of alone time to process this breakup. And here's Avery at home where she's not supposed to be. And they have an argument. And William hits her. Yep. And pretty hard. Pretty hard. Hard enough to knock her to the ground. Right. I immediately thought he was guilty. <laughs> <laughs> well, because, like, you know, there's that little bit in there where, you know, he's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then he he leaves, like he walks out of the house and he goes into the garage. But then he turns around and goes back in. And, and he's stops. having these thoughts. But he stops. And then you go in to start a new chapter or something yeah. like that. So then we you're are thinking, left hanging. And the next thing you know, Avery is missing. Yep. Right? And immediately I was like, well, the dad did it. <laughs> Hundred percent. Well, I texted Kelly right out of the gate, and I was like, "This dad is giving me the ick." Like, <laughs> I, and but then to my dismay, she was like, "Well, there's a lot of characters that do that." <laughs> so, I, so I committed to to finish. You know, obviously, I was going to finish listening to it, but I was like, "Okay, I'm going to try to withhold any further judgment until right. we get to the end of this." And good thing. So, all right. So we. So Avery disappears. Um, her her big brother is feeling a lot of guilt because she didn't wait to walk home with him because he told her once where the key to the house is right. hidden. And um, Aaron, Aaron is feeling a lot of guilt because, you know, she is, she's just like, you know, who would have snatched my little right. girl? So for a long time after the police are notified, the police believe she was probably like grabbed on her way home. Right. And it's... As per usual with cases like these, it's some dumb detail, which we'll let you read, that leads them to believe that she's been home and probably it was someone she knew who has, quote unquote, taken her. And because there's no sign of forced entry, they know she was in the house. And so the details start to unfold as people are being questioned by the police and they're going door to door canvassing. And this is where this is where the neighborhood thing. Now, my neighborhood maybe is like we're like overly aware. People in my neighborhood are like a little <laughs> we're um we know a lot about each other what's happening and I've I've also never lived in a neighborhood like that till now. Mm-hmm. Um and so it was weird to me that people knew things like one of the kids was convicted last year, but they like didn't they weren't friends. Like right. You like know, how did they nobody, find that out? Right. Yeah. And there's a there's a family at the end of the street, um, which come into you know who come into play later, and they've like never spoken about their kids, but their kids are friends. Like it's just it was just like the the detachment on this like are these houses a mile off the road and separated by a full three acres? Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I was just... Well, they can't be because you can walk across the street, right? right? This so, is, yeah. yeah. So I was having a hard time reconciling, like, how little everybody knew, but the stuff they knew was... But she's a fiction writer, so whatever. Well, right. That's this... I, you can't make it about real life, right? So, um, so we start we start hearing from neighbors. We start hearing from... Um, all four of the grown-ups involved on both sides of this affair. Um, we start, we hear from the police who are doing the investigation. And um, 
I, I had, I had an inkling that somehow the kid had done, she had done something. Like, I thought she just ran away. Right. Oh, right. Like to, because she was mad. Right. It's so much worse than that. <laughs> and I, so when we really start getting into what happened, I had to, I had to suspend some belief oh, because yeah, I, yeah. But um, I, I think the thing that fascinated me about these neighbors was how quick they were to place blame on people they don't hundred <laughs> percent. I mean, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yep. Oh, well, if somebody said they saw her get into this car, that must be true. Right. Because, um, you know, he he did something bad. Well, or they were quick to believe the worst about their own family. Right. And try to put that, put it to rest. Right. But right. they were, but like the cops were really getting into people's heads mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. on could your kid have been involved? Could your husband have been involved? Right. They immediately started wondering and, and not just one or two kids, like a lot of the characters started wondering if their family members were really capable of doing something terrible. Right. So, so what does it say about this neighborhood in this little this small town, mean. right? Yeah. <laughs> so so the the police get a tip from an anonymous caller that they've seen Avery, who is 9, getting into a car with one of the neighborhood young adults who is 18 and it happens to be Nora's the so the other half of the affair, right. Nora's son. Right. And so immediately there's like there's the suspicion like did his name is Ryan did Ryan know about the affair and he's trying to like punish them it did Nora's husband have something to do with it the the police are still looking closely at William after they hear the full disclosure about what happened right at home and um yeah so there's like everyone is really suspicious of everyone else you know Ryan is the only character that I had any sympathy for. Uh-huh. The only character. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Aaron, I think a little bit too. Mm, I didn't really have any sympathy for Aaron that much. No? No. I mean, I get why I probably should have. Because... Maybe I did until she went over to their house and started beating him up. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> but, I, yeah, he was the only character throughout the whole story that I had any sympathy for. Yeah. He so he was accused of picking her up. The police believe that he and here's the other weird part. Like there are lots of blocks of time where people cannot account for their whereabouts. Right. <laughs> there seems to be. So yes. um, they all go out for a drive right? for Everybody's hours. Everybody's driving around <laughs> just to like process their thoughts. Right. Which I can understand can be very like therapeutic and and might be effective for what is happening. But um, what did it? No one was tracking cell phones, like nothing pinged anywhere. Right. I, yeah, that was a little weird to me. But um, so Ryan, yeah, is it turns out is wrongly accused of Absolutely. this. And yeah. um, and I did I did feel the worst for him when he's being questioned. And then he's held in the cell when the anonymous witness comes forward. Right. But she's only compelled to come forward because she also has like her own ulterior motives. Right. So is this where we talk about Marion? 
Yes, this, this is right. where we talk about Marion. So Marion is another neighbor. How Everybody in this hospital is in the same neighborhood. Right, because Marion was a nurse at the hospital. Yes. Yes. And is, it turns out, is secretly in love with William Wooler. Uh, who is this guy? Like, why does everybody like him? I don't know, because he didn't see very stand-up. No, I don't, yeah. It's so she's been, but she's been secretly. the doctor at maybe. thing, you know, And I think power. that he was described as pretty good looking yeah, or whatever. Right. But she's been secretly pining for him for a long time. Yes. And then Marion discovers, well, let's back up, Marion secretly befriends Avery, the daughter. Yes. The nine-year-old daughter, um, who... Avery ad- admits to having a pretty lonely existence, right? She's, she doesn't have a lot of friends. Not a lot of people like to play with her. So she, um, she's one day like playing in the woods behind their behind their yards, and she sees Marion. Marion invites her in for cookies, gives her lemonade. You know, they they're chatting, and so Avery no. comes to think of Marion as a friend. However, Marion didn't do that out of the goodness of her no. heart. She did that because she wanted to get closer to William, right? It's, a, it's, it's just yeah. weird. Yeah. So I, I'll tell you, I believed initially. I believed the story she told the police about how we didn't have any reason not to, right? Right. About the right. the past concerns. Yeah. Yes. And so she, so she tells the police, she's she's the one who makes the anonymous call, but she tells the police she doesn't want her name in the paper because of this thing that happened, which is also kind of a good discovery in the read. So we'll let you read it. But um, I believe I believed her. I well, did. I, cause did there was, I? Mm, I don't know that I believed her. There was like no reason not to believe her until I, like 10 minutes later in the book. And then I was like, oh, dang, <laughs> you got me. Right. So she's she tells the police this thing, but she doesn't want to be involved in the interviews and the news and whatever, whatever. And so so we find out that she's been secretly pining for William. And um, when. Avery and William have their argument slash physical fight. Mm -hmm. Avery does kind of run away, but she runs away with a plan. Right. Right. And the plan is to go to Marion, tell Marion what happened, and Avery's just going to hide out at Marion's house until everyone's good and scared and misses her and she's famous and then she's going to reappear. Yeah, so you got to remember, this is a nine-year-old who has this thought process, right? And no, no criticism of Sherry LaPena, but I was like, I, I needed this girl to be a little bit older to have this thought process. Like, she's, pr- it's pretty conniving for a nine-year-old. But, and manipulative, right? Very yes. manipulative. Yes. And, you know, the thing is between the relation, so between Aaron, Aaron and William, William... Like, Avery couldn't manipulate William. No. That's probably why they butted heads so much. But Avery could manipulate Aaron. Yeah. Aaron had a lot more patience for dealing with her behaviors and the lashing out. And William just didn't. Right. And, yeah. So, Avery was real. And she had a right to be really mad. He didn't. He shouldn't have hit her. Oh, absolutely. And she had a right to be mad about it. Right. But So, so I think she's she's like, I'm going to run away and I'm going to punish them. And she she tell, she shares this plan with Marion, who, like, willingly goes along with it, which was the next point that I was like, mm. but when you find out she's, that she's 
also up for messing with William. Right. I get it. Yes, absolutely. So, but then we find out. So Avery's plan is to like wait for everyone to be at the height of fear, right? They've got police out looking. They've, you know, they're accusing all of the neighbors of wrongdoing. And, and, um, Marion has flat out lied to the police and says she hasn't seen Avery. And, and then we find out Avery's hiding in Marion's basement. But willfully, but not willfully, because she She, wouldn't be able to leave. She doesn't know that. Right. No, she does not know that because Marion has actually locked the basement door. So she could not get out. And Avery never checks. Mm -mm. Right. Mm -mm. Because it only works if Avery is out of sight. Right. So she knows she has to stay downstairs. Right. She knows she can't be seen anywhere. But then Avery starts to get a little suspicious of Marion. Because she finds out that Marion is the one who called in the fake tip about getting into Ryan's car. And Avery's mad because she doesn't want Ryan to get in trouble. Right. Which was a rare glimpse of... Compassion? Em- yeah. Empathy? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And she well, just... Because she wants all the focus on her dad. She well, wants her dad to it. feel bad. Right. So was and, that really compassion and empathy? Or was it just because it wasn't maybe. going to Maybe. It wasn't to going to plan. plan. I don't know. Yeah. Well, yeah, maybe. Oh, see, and I was feeling a little bad for her in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I no. She the way she's described. She doesn't have that capability. No, she's just angry because it's not what she wants her dad to be the focus and punish him. Right, and then now here's Ryan. So the focus caught is up in the dad. mix. Yes, yes. So Avery starts to put together that maybe Marion's not playing by the rules. Marion has a completely ulterior motive at this point. Right. Um, she knows now that her name is out there. That Avery can't. She like can't be found in her house. Nope. Nope. And so now these two conniving manipulators are going head to head. But one's a full ass grown up. Right. <laughs> and one right. is a nine year old kid. Right. And <laughs> and somehow I do. I don't know if I like I know the spoilers, but I kind of don't want. Do we do we have to say how it happens? How it plays out? No, we don't have to say. How okay, it, that would be one they can read. Yeah. We? So they they do wind up going like head to head, and um, I guess mm, I I want to say how the end of the book goes, but I think I can. Yeah. I think I can. So ultimately, Avery kind of gets what she wants, and that she has some notoriety, mm-hmm. and yep. and she's found safe, and. There's, um, but how, how she gets found safe, I'm going to leave for you to read. Cause it's, it's, it's good. That was a, it was a good scene. And, um, so she's, she's got this notoriety, but her parents just want everything to like calm the F down. They don't want, people are calling for interviews. They're calling for, um, you know, they want exclusive rights to the story. They want them to write a book. They're doing this this whole thing because it's so extraordinary right. what happened to her. And Avery really wants all of this. She wants the money. She wants the fame. She wants people to, you know, care about what happens to her. And meanwhile, her parents just want the reporters off the front line. Right. And, and in the meantime, the affair has come out. So Aaron has thrown William out of the house. Right. Michael is... He's torn between his parents. He's devastated. It, but it, all Avery can think about is the infamy or the, oh, or right. the fame. Not, I at, guess not infamy, but at the At one point, the mom's like, well, I think we should move. And Avery's like, oh, no, oh, no. no. Can't move. I'm fine. Right. <laughs> and when and, 
and every on, and the grown-ups in her life think that she should be traumatized by what has happened and Avery seems okay right like she's back at school and she you know she's she's not she's not like struggling to sleep she's not crying all the time they and her and everyone fully expects her to be sort of broken from this well, have some kind of ptsd yes. or something right and she's just not displaying any of that Mm-mm. so finally aaron and william agree to an interview and they carefully select the person who's going to conduct the interview yes they've They've seen her interview other people. She's really gentle. She's good with kids. She's kind. And Avery is, she's rehearsing her story. She's practicing delivery in the mirror. She wants sympathy from people. She, you know, and this is where it got, it got funny to me because as a nine-year-old, she pulled all of this off, right? And then the interviewer trips her up. Yep. And I, I did like a full on audible gasp in my car by myself (laughs) while I was driving to work. I was like, oh, Oh, no, what is this? (laughs) And so, so I, I, I was a little skeptical as we read it because I, I did not believe I have a nephew who's nine and I was, I kept putting him in place of that kid in the story. And I was like, I just can't imagine. Now, maybe this is me just being blind to it and biased because he's my nephew. But I was like, I can't imagine him like plotting all this out, putting these pieces about grown-up relationships together, about people's motivations and, you know, what ultimately what she thought Marion was planning. And I like, I was just like, I don't know that I could see him doing all that. But I could see a nine-year-old making the mistake that she made in that interview. Yes. And um, so there I was like, okay, this, that makes more sense to me if she, but honestly, grownups trip up in interviews. So I still think at 13, I could have, I could have written that off, but um, I, yeah. So I, I did like the whole audible, like, oh my God, what is this in the, in the car? And then, um, and then it was, and then the book was over. It just ends. The book was over. <laughs> but, you know, I was thinking, like, after Avery is found, you know, and yeah. she's safe and everything. Mm-hmm. And and so Aaron and William are, at this point, not living together. Nope. And, and so before he leaves, though, he's questioning Aaron. Do you really think? Yes. And 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 Aaron's, like, defending Avery, you know, well, what are you saying? You know, that kind of thing. And And William's words to Aaron were... You have to be on the lookout or something to mm-hmm. that effect, you know, be on the lookout, you know, because he think, does not. He sees right through her. Yeah. And I think this is supposed to give us like an inside look at how their relationship about her has been going. Yes. Right. This is not new. Right. Yeah. So I just found that very interesting. Yeah. But and but, you know, during that interview, when she's uh, when she realizes she slipped up. Yeah, she's looking at her mom, and you know, like, to like help, ad- me. help me end the interview. And her mom's just like horrified, horrified, mm-hmm. standing there, and there's no help coming. No, but you know, then it ends, and so you don't know if like one of them shut the interview down. Yeah, or you know, you don't know Doesn't what happened. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Does it ever make the air? Yeah. Do they then investigate further? You know? Yeah. Like what? It just yeah. ends. Yeah. I mean, that is the best. That's probably the best part of the book. Oh, absolutely. You know? The, yep. Yeah. 
I because like I said, I was skeptical while I was listening to it. I was like, oh, I don't know. And we get to the end, and I was like, oh, worth it, <laughs> right? Worth <laughs> it. Yeah. Yes. So yeah, but it was just, it was, it was just an interesting look at how people turn on each other. Uh huh. Um, without even knowing, because you want to deflect blame, because yeah. you know everybody is interviewed, or the police go to interview certain like. So obviously Aaron and William, but then you had um, Avery's friend Jenna, who's the same age that lives across the street. Yep. You know, you had her family being interviewed, and something came out about their son Derek, right? And mm-hmm. so now the family's interviewed, and that's the one where that mom she's is, like, "I know my son couldn't do, do this, this, but but I'm going to check, check this whole house for a body <laughs> anyway, right?" <laughs> and so, like, it's like the worst thoughts of what you could yep. think about your family or your fellow neighbors, and um, it was crazy. It was crazy, yeah. and then it was also a good look at the legal system that we have that. How something can turn into a train wreck really fast, whether hurry. you're guilty yeah. or not guilty, right? Um, yeah. And in this case, I mean, they had a bunch of false leads because that's how it was planned, right? right? But, uh, yeah, it, it, it people were fast. People were quick to, well, it wasn't, it wasn't us. But, but probably you should you look, should over, look there. over there. Right. Right. Yeah. Like, go five houses down. Yeah, it absolutely wasn't us. <laughs> but, uh but I'm going to point you somewhere else so you stop looking exactly. our way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you think anyone moved out of that neighborhood? I don't, I don't know. I don't think so. But, you know, after that fact, how do you um, how do you live in that neighborhood? Because, you know, you just accuse your neighbors of all kinds of stuff. Right. Maybe Ryan moved out of the neighborhood. Maybe. Well, and we know that Nora and Al didn't make it. So no. somebody had to move. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it, to be clear, they didn't die. They just, their no, relationship didn't make it. Their relationship didn't make it. Right. Um, yeah. So they, they were, um, and, and you could, that one was falling apart rapidly as we listened. Um, and I think the the final straw was when she was like, did you kill that little girl? Right. And he's like, how dare you? Well, like, even you're your the one in the wrong here. <laughs> right. I could kill you. Well, no problem. But I didn't kill that little girl. Yeah. So she went like it's again, interesting. You know, Nora started looking at Al because mm-hmm. he found out about the affair mm-hmm. and was the mo- was the motive that he would take the little girl. So William would suffer. Mm-hmm. Aaron turned on William yep. because uh the you know when he slapped her or whatever did he then right what did he kill her you know? I believe he did well <laughs> right so I mean right yeah I was it's I just was it's it's fully behind the William theory well yeah I mean because that's the only thing you had going right mm-hmm. you know they threw all these other ones in but you just had to the one that made the most sense was especially when he like I said it says. He turned around and went back in the house, but yeah. then it goes to now yeah. she's missing. So yeah. that's and so often with a mystery book, it comes back to the most obvious choice, even though you've had all these red herrings right. going through it, right? So right. I was like, I, for a really long time, I believed it was him <laughs> till we were halfway through the book. book. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah. But so anyway, I so I you know kudos to her for writing a twisty story. I believe the psychology behind this human behavior was probably accurate. You know, oh. we're we're all very quick to right. It's a it's a reflex, right, to defend yourself. Make sure you know. And um, I, yeah, I, I don't know if I could have stayed after this all happened and everybody, you know, if I was, if I was any of these blamees, I don't know. Or a blamer. 
Right. Oh, I accused you of murder. Sorry about that. Like, yeah. I'll see but can you I borrow next, a cup of sugar? Right, I'll see you at the next uh, neighborhood picnic, right? Sorry about that whole murder accusation. How's your barbecue? Like, I, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I could do it. So, yeah, it was a good, so it was I, a good read. Had you ever read anything else by her? No, that was my Me, first same, one. So same. Like, every time I like to choose, every now and then I like to choose a new author that I haven't read yeah. before. And uh, it was always Maureen's favorite author, oh, you know? And so yeah. I thought, oh, well, let me... Let me read that. Yeah. So that's the one I picked. I don't know what the other ones are. <laughs> I think she, did she write The Couple Next Door? I think she did. That was a big hit for a couple years ago, I think. Mm-hmm. I yeah. think they're all that kind of same mm-hmm. twisty, turny genre type thing. So, yeah. yeah. So if you're a, if you're looking for a, a twisty thriller that's not gory. Right. That's not... I wasn't, like, creeped out by this. No. Um, but the suspense and the um, and the red herrings were all there. If that's the kind of mystery you like... Pick, right. pick her up right i think yeah. yeah so i yeah i liked it so good suggestion mm-hmm. and i liked the audiobook narrator so oh yeah i, I don't I remember it. who it was but um i do i think i feel like i do a better job remembering when i don't like the narrator so i don't pick their <laughs> right. books again but, yeah, yeah i think that it's so yeah if you're gonna listen to it i think the narrator makes oh it has to it makes, has to make the book makes right. a difference yeah, yeah. so All yeah right. so i'm i was i was pleased with this one so yeah i all around thumbs up mm-hmm Yep. So, all right, right. So for March, we're gonna read. It's March is Women's History Month, mm-hmm. and um, we're going to read a book called "The Great Stewardess Rebellion: How Women Launched a Workplace Rebellion at Thirty Thousand Feet" by Nell Wolfhart. W U L F H A R T. Um, this is a look at the airline industry. In the 60s and how the um, employees of the airline got them to change the rules that were real sexist and unfair. Uh, so um, I'm excited for this. Yeah, one. same. So we're going to take a look at that. We haven't done nonfiction no, in a haven't. little bit. And um, this one, uh, what did you say that you? The Pan American. Yeah. Stewardesses yeah. back yeah. in the, their little blue outfits with their blue hat. And, yeah. you know. It looks very glamorous. It does. But apparently behind they were, the scenes, I'm yeah, guessing it was not. Not so, not so nice. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to take a look at that one. Um, and that'll be episode 40, Kelly. Episode 40. So, so we hope that you will come back and listen to us in March. And in the meantime, we hope you're enjoying whatever you're reading and or drinking. This G&T went down real easy. So good. Real yes. easy. For, it's it's kind of early in the day for one, but. It kind of is. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, hey. It was a. A nice, uh, I like. I'm getting ready to go on vacation. I might have to add a bottle of gin to the very refreshing. Yeah, not bad. So anyway, uh, hope you guys are enjoying whatever it is you're listening to and drinking. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.